just start there. What's up, fine folks? <laughs> I gave you permission. Yeah, sweet. Welcome to episode 33 of Double Tap. I'm Jay. I'm Tanner. We had a technical hullabaloo that we just went through to get yeah. all this work, and really, you went through it. I'm not sure what just happened. Uh, sounds were not being sounded, Yeah. Uh, but don't, now they are. Don't love the phrase, sounded <laughs> as a verb. Also, no. the lights aren't on now. i oh, got to fix well. that. Sorry, video watchers. Well... It'll Maybe that just makes days. it more or less evident of how red my face is. Uh, got my first sunburn of the year. Yeah, uh, neck is even worse. You're a little, you're a little see. red. You're a little rosy. Uh, a little glossy. I'm also glossy red behind my knees. Uh, <laughs> Unrelated or <laughs> no? Exactly the same reason. <laughs> yeah, uh, I figured. I'm sunburnt in very specific areas based yeah. on the orientation of the sun. Speaking of the sun, it's very warm these days. It is. And right there on cue. We've got our second oh, yeah. full-on official taste test today. Yeah. Uh, not too long ago, we did the taste test for the Bud Light Soda Seltzers. Yes. Let me go ahead and tell you, these are better. Okay, uh, sweet. We are fans of Cayman Jack. Yes, we are. Uh, one of our favorite uh, brands of... <laughs> Drink? I don't, yeah, I don't... Pre, <laughs> premium malt beverage, beverage, as they call okay, it. Okay, one premium of our favorite brands of beverage. Malt beverages. That's hard to say. Now, I just assumed... We would crack open the OG yes. as a control. So, yeah, this is the uh, thing that we've had many, many times. Once on this show, I believe. Have we done Caymans on the I'm show? I'm pretty sure once. That doesn't shock me. <laughs> we do like these a lot. A very good yeah. summertime drink. As good as it comes in terms of pure flavor. Oh, yeah, uh, so good. Out of a can. So good. Absolute dynamite. So that's the classic. It's just the Cayman Jack Margarita. Yeah. They also make a mojito, a... Paloma. Paloma and a Moscow Mule. Yeah. Also in cans. All of which are good. All are good, yes. But for the first time, and my girlfriend and I were just stumbling through the grocery store, and I happened across... Were you drunk? No. I was not... I was very indecisive. She was... Mm. This is rare. I'm never almost indecisive about what I want to eat, really, when I really think about it. Yeah. Took me like 30 minutes to figure out. Wow. And I was like, crab cakes. And then I just told you about (laughs) those. (laughs) (laughs) Crab cakes. <laughs> and then I said Mexican, and we yeah. went. So, adjacent to the seafood, I saw these. Cayman Jack. Wait, these were, like, near the fish? Y- yes, they were literally on a little cardboard stand right next to, like, the shrimp cocktail. Okay. So, Cayman Jack's flavored margaritas. Yes, I'm very excited about these. I didn't know they existed. They have yesterday. watermelon, <laughs> strawberry, and mango. Yes. Which one would you like to try first? Uh, let's do either strawberry or watermelon. I feel like mango is going to be a good difference between the two. So. Okay. Let's go watermelon first. All right. We're going to try watermelon. Also, my favorite my favorite bit when we do these uh, taste tests is because the first thing is always set in stone of the show is what we're playing. Yes. So these taste tests just go under the what we're playing uh, Fair enough. label. What we're drinking. Yeah. So, Cayman Jack watermelon margarita do these have blurbs no they don't they, all they just say is made with watermelon juice and agave nectar and they're ready to drink they are ready to drink <laughs> what is, what's the alternative there <laughs> i know the cayman jack's bottles usually have a little thing on Ooh, but yeah, these are dope they are I, those are very good and if i'm ever going to get a flavored variant of margarita watermelon is usually my go-to same it's because i only like the ones that are particularly good with salt on mm. the rim and not sugar Watermelon so makes sense. That's a very solid one. All right, let's go mango next. Mango. And as we mentioned when we did the uh, Bud Light Seltzer reviews, uh, 
we've got stuff to do today leisurely, not yeah. anything serious. No, yeah, we're going to watch basketball. So these are going to be consumed over the course of the next few hours. They will not be wasted. Mango. I Ooh. love this one. I I really like that. Love that. Wow, one. we're three for three. Would kill with a little salt. It's got the mm. I, mango's another one that's good with a salted rim, yeah. especially like a little chili lime salt oh, kind of action. Fancy. Now I don't know how how do you feel about strawberry margaritas? Well, ch- first of all, chili lime salt connection, my favorite '90s R&B band. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm indifferent on strawberry margaritas. I think I I like them when swirled with like a regular margarita. Sure. Yeah. That strawberry lemonade, strawberry lime kind of thing. I don't want to. There's a broad generalization that I don't want to make, but I feel like it has been the norm in my life. Okay. I feel like women in my life have always preferred strawberry margaritas. Hmm. I don't know why. I love all of these, but strawberry has usually been one of my lesser go tos versus women that I've known. They're like, oh, a strawberry margarita? I want that one. And I'm just well, like, why? <laughs> <laughs> I love that you ended the thought and just started drinking. You're like, why? Drink. <laughs> that was really For funny. what it's worth, I didn't drink until just now. <laughs> oh, that was great. Okay. <laughs> that is good, though. Oh, it's, yeah, that's delicious. I mean, I knew all of these would be good. Cayman doesn't miss. No, they don't. In my experience. And here's something I appreciate that's kind of dumb. Okay. All of the, uh, the can tabs or whatever those are yeah, called different colors they're all color coded with whatever flavor they are yeah. so this is lime colored and this is the, the regular the the watermelon one's green the mango one's yellow and then the strawberry one's red i'm gonna rock the mango at least at first as we go forward. i think i may do the uh, do the uh, watermelon for now uh if i had to power rank them sure i think i'd go i'm gonna say strawberries last okay fair regular third Interesting. But just because I've had it so often, yeah. it's like, you know, it's nothing new. And then I'm going to go mango two, watermelon one. Or I, I could see those flipping. Interesting. I, the more you drink them, it might change a little bit. I think I go, I think I go mango one. Fair. I like the, we don't often get a lot of mango flavored stuff in Kentucky. That's true. That's very uh, true. But watermelons, you see them every summer. Yeah. Around here. So I think I go mango regular. Mm. watermelon strawberry with a bit of a gap between watermelon and strawberry but yeah. the gap I mean, between strawberry and a lot of other beverages is still pretty good these are very good I was gonna say across the board over under on number of these that get consumed at the beach assuming we can find them true we should just stock up on them now yeah that's true over under on individual cans how many how many's in a pack there are see there's four flavors three of each so, so 12. 12 cans per pack and there are seven? seven of us going? Yes. Have we discussed this? No, we've not discussed it on the pod. We're going on a beach trip with our friends. Yeah, in about a month. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's <sighs> only about a month ago. It's like six weeks away. Yeah. Um. So, no pod that week, obviously. Yeah. But uh, And it's five days we'll, that we're down there. So, possibly no pods for two weeks, but we'll we'll let you know. Um. And I was, I was saying that in regards to the consumption Oh, math. sure, for the math. Five days worth... Because honestly, I could see these supplanting a lot of things. Sure. Because our group, pretty seltzer heavy right now. Definitely. I think I'd rather have these than most seltzers. Yeah. In in a in a vacuum. <laughs> I was going to say in a vacuum. I would rather have one of these than a seltzer. Mm, but. Good point. Hot sun. Yeah. Five to six hours under it. Yeah. I might want something that doesn't have as much sugar so, sweet. So much weight acidity. to it. Yeah. So. 
I like the alternation strategy. Do you think we consume four packs of these? 48. Yeah. You're <laughs> so confident. Now that, yes. Okay, here's a better question. How many cans of alcohol do you think we consume total? Indi- okay, total? Yes, among the group of us. Okay, well, individually, five days. I can't so wait to about, see where this goes. Hold on. When I think about the actual number, it starts to sound egregiously high. <laughs> but I'm going to go with like 350. Because <laughs> <laughs> you got to think. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, well, let's... 300? Let's include any beverages that we have at restaurants. Okay, sure. And I'd say we're going to average about 10 <laughs> per day per person. There we go. You know, five days. Oh, wait a minute. I overdid... No? 10 <laughs> per day. That's 35 a day. Yeah. No, 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 no. Sorry. That's 70 that's per 70 day, day for everybody. So, 350. Five days, yeah. 350. That's my guess, and I'm sticking to it. In because day. some of those we're going to go over. That's true. For some people. We've already agreed. I love that we're going in the weeds on this. Uh, we've already agreed that we're going to schedule out a couple of days to go harder than other days. Absolutely. So we're not going to hit 10 drinks every day. A couple we, days we might hit 15. We might hit 15, and then a couple other days we might hit like five. Yeah. <laughs> You're just sitting Can't there. Can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Anyway. That's what I was going to say. Because my answer is still like, I've barely played anything besides Elden Ring. Same. Which I completed and platinumed. Um, Congratulations. You want me to talk about it first, or you want to talk about it, since you're still... Uh, I can talk about it. Go for it. Then I can sort of... That'll calibrate anything that I feel like I can say. First of all, congrats on the plat. Thank you. Uh, So yeah, I played, as we've talked about on the show, I was trying to get through Horizon before I got to Elden Ring, but the... A mixture of the internet chatter and talking to you about it and talking to other friends on the internet about it and other people asking me, when am I going to play Elden Ring? And that combined with uh, a frustrating moment for me in Horizon, Mm -hmm. which to synopsize without spoiling, basically there is just the info dumpiest of info dumps I've ever experienced in a game. And they were dropping like 30 different proper nouns that all meant (laughs) something. And there were all these just... It got to such a nerdy level. It would have been fine in like a like a story bible. Sure. Of like, you know, the writers refer to it of like, oh, this is where uh, this program is. This is where this is. Blah, blah, blah. But as the player, I got so bored of hearing all these proper nouns to where I was just like lost. I yeah. just completely tuned out. But it's in a situation which I think is meant for more what, because I texted you about it. Mm-hmm. And you kind of said that you thought that was something to like refer back to. Or at least if that's sort of the way I can, because I mean, I have not yet gone back to it. Right. And I probably will. Just right. As a refresher. That makes total sense. And I'm cool with it that way. I didn't get that when I played it. I thought this is the one cut scene where they're going to lay everything out. So I have to ask every question. And no joke, that that cut scene is a mission, basically. Yeah. You finish a mission with like a big fight. The next mission is just story, Pretty which much. I'm which I'm fine with. But that mission takes like an hour and you're just being told shit for an hour. So that was me just like, you know what? I'm like horizons fun, but if Elden ring weren't there, I would have, I would have powered through obviously. But that was the moment where I was like, I have to play Elden ring. Uh, so I am about 15 hours into Elden ring. Okay. I've had it for a week and a half now. So that's, it's funny that I'm probably further in Elden ring after a week and a half than I was in horizon after like four weeks. Uh, it shows you how much I've been wanting to play this game. I really like it a lot. Uh, I have some minor, minor issues with it. Okay. Mainly, 
my only real issue, and I think this is just me sort of reconfiguring how I approach these kinds of games, sure. is just not knowing where to go. Mm. I know that you can go anywhere, but at some point I'm like, all right, I want to go where I should go, yeah. and I can't find it sometimes. So that is a little tricky. I eventually you know, end up in a place, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I guess I'll do this. Um, but yeah, the boss fights that I've encountered have been great. Um, I don't know if I should... Do you consider names of bosses spoilers? Not significant. I don't. I mean, there might be some that are, if it's baked into the name, but like Godric is not sure. a spoiler. Yeah, I would so say. I, yeah, I've been, that was also in demos for the game that were shown. Right. That was what people played <clears throat> in like the early access stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I've beaten Godric. I've beaten Margit, uh, which I just found out, I guess, kind of spoilers are completely skippable. Well, yeah. If you, it, it's, it's tricky. Margit is completely skippable. Okay, gotcha. I don't know, well, skippable in a way. Sure. But I won't say more than that. But I'm glad, like, I come to these games for the boss fights, so I don't want to skip any sure. boss fights. Like, I'd much rather skip regular enemies than I would boss fights. Yeah. Um, both of those were awesome. I will say, this game, I don't know if it's the game, I don't know if it's the fact that I've played a few of these games now. Um, it's definitely not, like, encouragement from anyone outside but me. I've definitely been trying more weapons in this game than I have in any other Souls game yeah. ever. Granted, Bloodborne, you know, you can kind of just ride with the saw cleaver or whatever you sure. pick from day one. Uh, Dark Souls 3, I don't feel like I really changed my weapon up too much. I didn't either. Uh, and Sekiro, you can't change your weapon. But in this game, I've probably tried like four or five different weapons now. I, I've ha I had the regular sword that you start with if you pick uh, Samurai, which I picked. I had some like Wolverine claws that I was rocking for a while. Uh couple other boss weapons that I've picked up from those I don't know how to describe them without spoiling the ever jails sure uh, which yeah. are basically just like boss portals if you want to call well, them that it's literally I mean lore wise ever jail it is like a jail that these bosses have been imprisoned in and sure. then you just go in there to fight them right which, not is, much of a which is awesome I, yeah, I love, really cool I love that mechanic um, as someone who is again there for the boss fights but yeah, overall, really, really loving it. Excited to play more. Um, like I said, I, I think I only got a little frustrated not where, not knowing where to go once, and that's just, that's whatever. Yeah. Um, but really, really liking it a lot. Yeah, so <clears throat> my assessment upon having completely beaten the game, platinumed it, uh, surprisingly, I don't want to, easy platinum is the wrong word, because this game is not implicitly easy sure. in any way. Yeah. None of these games are. But if you can beat the game, you can get the platinum. Oh, that's cool. That's my pretty like that. easy. Uh, it is not here. I'll, this is not a spoiler. When I talk about uh, why I don't have the Dark Souls platinums, but I do have Bloodborne and I do have Sekiro. The main hurdle that was keeping me from getting the Dark Souls platinums is collecting all the magical spells, right. the sorceries, the incantations, whatever. This game, there are those trophies, but it's collect all the legendary of these things mm. of which there are far fewer gotcha and much easier guides that I have found to be able to go get them right um, I won't spoil this but word to the wise for anyone who plans to go for the platinum there is a singular weapon that is required to get the platinum that if you do not get it in your course of your first playthrough and you progress the story to a certain point, you have to restart all over mm. to get back to a pretty decent chunk through the game to get it. Yeah. Now, knowing, and I was texting you while I was doing this, yeah. knowing the game well enough to know that you can skip certain things or you can take shortcuts, whatever, Yeah. I was able to get back to the place where that weapon was in 
three hours. Oh, wow. Compared to it took me 40 hours of real game Originally time to get there, there. Yeah, which wow. is wild to think about. Yeah, that's cool. And that's also sort of coloring why I'm questioning how I'm going to think about this game in the long term. Okay. Because to me, the thing that separated this game and made it so great is the surprising surprising elements of exploring the world. Sure. Everything else is just really good Dark Souls, but the world itself is just so incredible. Yeah. And, you know, you have you know plenty to still uncover. Sure. Yeah. So that was the thing. But I'm like, now that that surprise is gone, I'm wondering if my, mm. like, if I'll ever be tempted to go back and replay this. Like, I have been tempted to go back and replay Bloodborne a couple right. of times. Yeah. Because Bloodborne's more about the enemies themselves, just the dour setting. Yeah. All that sorts of stuff. Yeah, versus this, I'm like, I've already explored this world. I don't know if I'm ever be tempted to do that again. But right. upon first playthrough, it is a groundbreaking experience. So I'm still over the moon in my opinion of the game. Yeah. And it's also weird to not be mentally done with a game that you've platinumed. Mm. I don't know the last time I experienced this. Yeah. It has been forever. Yeah. That I'm like, I got the platinum in this game, but I'm like, I don't particularly want to play anything else. <laughs> right. So I've jumped in a couple nights and just kind of like, well, there's probably a couple dungeons random that I just haven't sure, seen. Sure, yeah, yeah. Just to play around with. I've watched a bunch of videos. I've done a bunch of stuff, and I'm just kind of like, I'm maybe done with it now. Mm. But it took a few days for me to be like, I don't really want to play anything else. I wanted to keep playing this beyond when I got right, the Platinum. Right, right, right. Uh, and the way that I saw, the once I reached the point that I, I'm done with this game... I had three options. Okay. Go back to Horizon. Yeah. Or buy Dying Light 2. Okay. Or buy Sifu. Oh, interesting. Those are my three options. Yeah. I bought Sifu. I was going to say, I, I, <laughs> um, would, I would have su- suspected that's what you And you I'm know. like, I'm, I thought that I might be on an open world kick once I beat Elden Ring. I'm like, oh, now would be a great time to go back to Horizon. No. No. Uh, I want something that... I want this gameplay loop more than I want to explore a world right now. So, see if you jumped off the page. And it was only 40 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. So, uh, I'll have impressions of that coming yeah. down the pipeline pretty soon. I look forward to that. Now, let's move on to the actual news. Okay. Of which we have a lot of <clears throat> kind of small things. Okay, I'm going to keep timestamps. Okay. It was very so, helpful last time. News story number one. Amy Hennig is working on a Star Wars game. Again. Again! Uh, After her EA project was canceled, her new studio, Skydance New Media, has since partnered with Lucasfilm, and now she is developing yet another Star Wars game. Which is kind of bananas when you really think about it, because, like, you know, she was at EA working on a Star Wars game. And then I guess what did we really know what happened there? Did the game get canned? Did she it seemed step like the away? game got canned? I don't know. There's probably a lot of behind the scenes stuff that maybe will come out about that. Uh, it's possible that there was just that there was a weird and it's funny because history has kind of repeated itself. Yeah. There was a weird little period where like four Star Wars games got announced. Yes. Only like two of which came out. Yeah. And now we got another swath of Star Wars games that just got announced. So we'll see how these do. If memory serves, and and someone can correct me if if I'm wrong here, I think this might have been, they were developing a single player Star Wars game. And I think this was an EA was like, every game needs to have an online component. Do you remember this? Or like everything needs like a microtransaction or whatever. So I wonder if that EA of them. Yes, I wonder if that part of it was why it got canceled, or you know, it could have been just creative differences. But obviously, there was something there that made Lucasfilm go, 
Actually, no, I like that. Yeah. Let's let's make this now. <clears throat> Which tells you it was probably her story idea. Yes. You know? Yeah, totally. But good for her. You know, we are both big fans of hers yeah. uh, and her, her track record. It's been kind of weird because, like, she... I think it's just been a very unfortunate last few years for her yeah. as as far as like making games goes because it seems like it's been a news story that's like, oh, Amy Hennig's working on this. Sweet. Amy Hennig joined this team. Sweet. And then just nothing has ever come of it. And I'm not saying that's her fault at any means. I just think it's, if anything, it's been indicative of the just unlucky situation she's been put in. Uh, so it's cool to see her hopefully land on her feet since it's her own company. You know, yeah. it's not going to fire her. Um, so I'm excited. I'm yeah, pumped. me too. I mean... I love Uncharted to the ends of the earth. If she yep. can do 80% of what she did with Uncharted with a Star Wars IP, have at it. Totally. Next story. Sony Santa Monica's animation director, Bruno Velasquez, tweeted reaffirming that Ragnarok is still set to come out in 2022. Do you believe him? No. Uh, really? <laughs> I do. I, I, I believe him. Uh, why not? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> um, uh, I, no, I... I I don't know. I don't like that it came from an animation director, I guess Fair. is my point, and it didn't come from Corey Sony Marlon. Santa Monica or Corey. Um, because, you know, I, I, I admittedly have very a very small grasp on how video games are made. Sure. But I do, know that, <laughs> I do know that animation is just a part of the entire process. So, again, I don't think that this guy is lying from their perspective. I am sure there is a big date in the office somewhere that's circled 15 times in Sharpie. Sure. But I don't think that necessarily means it's impossible that it's going to get delayed. Mm-hmm. I think for their information, if, if I had to theorize here, for their information, for what they're targeting, for what their timelines say, they still have that date in mind. But there are a crazy amount of unknown, for, uh, sorry, unforeseen uh, circumstances that could come across. Um, you know, d- delays happen for all, all of a, a litany of reasons. And so it's very possible that f- between... Him saying that and them saying, you know, we have this whatever date, and then they could still get delayed. Yeah, and I, that's, I, in reality, that's where I'm at too. Yeah. There are innumerable things that could happen that would push it back. Now, is there a date at which point, if there has not been a formal delay, that you'll be convinced that it is coming out this year? Assuming that it's currently set for like October ish. Yeah. If it reaches August, yeah. And there's no delay, do you think then we're good? Probably, but. If it reaches August and we've still not seen anything, fair. Well, that's you're 100. Then I think that right. it probably is a delay. You're 100% if we see right. something in August and they say 2022, it's coming out in 2022. Yeah, I think we need to see something this summer. Yes, agree. We don't see a slice of gameplay this summer. At that point, I agree that I become worried. However, would it be supremely cool if they didn't do that? Oh my and god! And Corey Barlog was just like October 26th yes. or whatever, and yeah. it just comes out. You know, I, I talked about this on Twitter recently that I've always wanted a movie. To just be like, its trailer is, there is no trailer, either go see it or don't. And the only person I could see doing that is Jordan Peele. Uh, I could see them doing something like that, of just, here's the God of War Ragnarok logo, here's the date, we're not telling you anything. Yeah. And that would be awesome. It would now, be. Now granted, you know, it would be nice. The ideal, it's funny that the game wasn't that great, but we always point to Fallout 4's sure. launch. That would be ideal. Um, that You know, there's some event in August, Sony's doing, you know, whatever version of E3 is. And they end with it's out in two weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. That'd be sick. But again, I just know from working on a lot of timelines now uh, at work that delays can happen <laughs> for the dumbest reasons. Yeah. 
And, you know, just because we have all of our stuff in line doesn't mean that, you know, someone else we work with, a client, a printer, whatever, someone licensing something, whatever, doesn't mean that it's not going to get delayed. So I think that tweet was all in goodwill, and I hope it's true, but I think it's also possible the game still gets delayed. Now, I just think with this game, I think people forget that technically it already did get delayed. You know? Yeah, it's true. That was the initial. There was the initial PS5 reveal show that teased Ragnarok is coming 2021. Now, we never saw anything between then and when they eventually were like, "No, the game's delayed." Yeah. Um, but we did see that pretty extensive trailer that did have slices of gameplay in it. So I'm like, I wouldn't put it past them to not put out much more in terms of marketing material. Sure. But yeah. That's it would be weird and atypical if they didn't, and the yes. game still came out. Because I think this is in that sort of, this game is a, to that scale of like Sony commercial during an NFL game level. Yeah, right. We'll see Kratos' face on network television. Yes. So to me, there's going to be whatever that trailer is. Probably a mix of gameplay and story. You're going to get the you know a little bit of a recap of one maybe, and then here's where we're headed next, and some gameplay, and that's going to be our trailer. If that's all we get, I am elated. Fewer trailers are better for me. Yeah, and as we mentioned before, and we've mentioned this several times, if a delay happens, do it. Yeah, please. Make the game as good as possible. I don't care. Next up, Halo Infinite is launching a Last Spartan Standing Battle Royale-esque Oh, I I didn't see this. Now, maybe because it's not a pure Battle Royale, it didn't make quite the headlines that it could have. Sure. But the details of this mode. Okay. 12 players. Okay. Five Smart. lives each. Oh. As you get kills, you get progressively better weapons. Okay. But there are random loot drops. Okay. They currently have four, like, large-scale maps in the mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. This mode will be exclusive to the large-scale maps. Sure. And then, as it said, Last Spartan Standing wins. You know, you try to kill each enemy five times. So it's kind of a hybrid of, like, gun game meets Battle Royale meets like just like Last Man Standing single player yeah pretty much not single player but like like a free for all 1v1v1v1 lone wolf or whatever they call it in Halo Uh, I think it's lone wolf which just sounds cool it does sound fun I'm I'm down I like the Halo Infinite multiplayer a lot Um, I'm trying to think of which see normally I play SWAT when I play Halo Infinite multiplayer Mm -hmm. and I don't think those are on the big maps so I'm curious what those big maps are I, I don't know if I've played them yet or not I'm sure I have in like regular slayer but yeah. uh yeah sounds cool i mean people have wanted a halo battle royale for a long time i think that halo is great in the multiplayer shooter scene because it is so different from mm-hmm. everything else it's a little slower uh but not in a bad way and especially with all of the man imagine if like people got like the grappling hook <laughs> and you're in a battle royale and they're like the last person you have to kill and somebody like zipline i mean it's going to create some really cool moments and yeah that's kind of what online multiplayer is yeah and i'm ex- anyway. <clears throat> i'm excited for this mode on its own, absent of anything else. Some people do think, though, that this is a precursor to them launching a more full-scale Battle Royale situation. Which is fine. If they do that, great, whatever. Yeah. you know. But I I kind of think for their, for their brand, they're not the type that is just going to ape the mode from another game. They're sure. not going to do a <clears throat> Warzone, I don't anticipate. No. They might. It'll probably make them some money if they did. Yeah, but I'd play it. <laughs> They could make an iteration like this, or maybe they release a pack of new large-scale maps designed just for this game mode. And I like this idea. I like the 
gun game sort of long scale yeah, totally. uh, that a game mode like this could bring. So I am interested. Something on battle royales, uh, and I think, but, but I think I'm okay to discuss this. So, okay. uh, <coughs> I back in the day I did work for uh, or one of the clients we had at my old design, design studio was Gun. Mm. Uh, Wes Keltner, who is on Twitter and Twitch as Wes Keltner, uh, he and I were talking about this was when PUBG first came around, right? And I just think the story is really cool. Uh, so he was, you know, he's like game director, big brain, like you know, a very smart dude talking about video games, and he kind of explained to me, or he put battle royales in a, a different light than what I'd experienced. I was like, man, these are so fun, but I don't understand like where they came out of. And we were talking about gameplay loop and all that kind of stuff, and he was like. What Battle Royales did really smartly was they distilled a 40-hour JRPG into 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. But, like, you're you're kind of just leveling up by killing someone, taking their loot. Then you have better loot to take on the next enemy. I think that idea is really cool. And this is almost a further progression of that. Sure. Where it's not even, you know, if you, it's first of all, it's going to lead to people getting kills very early. Mm-hmm. They're going to be very aggressive. They're going to drop hot. Because... You know, if it gets you one point to get to the next gun or whatever, you're going to want as many kills as possible. But also the fact that it's just almost taking away that looting element and instead, even though it'll be there, just rewarding you for kills over time. Yeah. Just seems like another approach to that core idea. So I'm pretty excited about it. That seems kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. Now, we've got a pair of announcements of new games. Okay. Well, in a way to talk about. (laughs) In a way. First up, a fourth Tomb Raider game is in development from Crystal Dynamics, and they will be reportedly using Unreal Engine 5. Yay! Shout out to Unreal. Which I assume many games will be developed uh, using in the near future. Yes. I... I, (laughs) If you're not listening, or if you're uh, listening to the audio and not watching video, Jay just made one of the most confounding faces I've ever seen. I, I don't know how I feel about the continuation of the modern Tomb Raider franchise. So I really you've, don't. You've played all three? No, I didn't okay. play Shadow, okay. the most recent, um, I think. But here's the thing. You could tell me there was a fourth one, and I'd believe you. <laughs> yeah. There might be a fourth one. <laughs> I don't think there is. No, I think it's just... There was regular Tomb Raider, Rise, Rise and Shadow, Shadow yeah. and then whatever's coming down the pipeline right now. Yeah. Tomb Raider 1... Very, very good. Very fun. Got the platinum. Played it for the first time like a year ago. I was mentally done when I got that platinum, (laughs) as we've told on this podcast. I I watched you all grind that out for hours. Rise, weird. Okay. Story was weird, but gameplay was refined. It was still a very good game. Yeah. Didn't play Shadow. I was not compelled. I'm like, okay, Rise was kind of just more Tomb Raider. So Shadow is probably just more Tomb Raider. I assume this is just going to be more Tomb Raider, so I'm not really into it. So I've only played the first one. I thought it was good, but I was not compelled to play Rise right mm-hmm. after I played the first one. What would they have to do to bring you in? Would it be um, more of a story focus like Uncharted? Would it be some new gameplay elements? Like what would what would you target? It would probably have to be a better story because I've never thought that Lara Croft was a particularly deep character. Right. Um, they did some like little bit of stuff and like with her relationship with her dad like in the first game uh, and the historicity of like you know all the stuff that she's done thank you um but i just think they were so discount uncharted that i never thought of them as anything else sure even if the gameplay arguably is a little more fun than uncharted not uncharted 4 and later iterations but yeah. at the time when i want to say rise came out before uncharted 4 or around the same time i think you're right 
Uncharted 4 was a level up for that series, and at that point, they just completely left Tomb Raider in the dust in all ways. Yeah. But the story was already good enough for me to care less about Tomb Raider. So, And it just doesn't do anything special relative to other open-world games. Totally. It has the sort of archaeological history buff fun, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't do it in a way that intrigues me like Uncharted does. It's just not as clever. Yeah. And especially the side characters in Tomb Raider, I do not give a single shit about. That's the thing. I think Uncharted just has more character, not characters, but yeah. like it has more character to it. All of the side characters, you know, you and I can sit here and name. I don't know that I can name other than Jonah. That's the that's only the, Tomb Raider it, side character I know. That's the big guy? Yes, that's yeah. a Samoan that's dude. That's the one I could remember. He's the big guy. Couldn't have told you his name. <laughs> yeah. He's a big Samoan guy. Yeah. Uh, he's awesome. I could not tell you any of the other names. And I played a Tomb Raider way more recently than I played any Uncharted game. But I still know all the Uncharted characters way better. They're just not that... I mean, it's kind of unfair to tell to tell Crystal Dynamics, hey, just write like Naughty Dog. I mean, that is a huge ask. Just hire sure. Amy Hennig. You <laughs> yeah. know, she's been bouncing around. But at least, like, if they could make some of those characters more interesting, if, you know, again, maybe Shadow was awesome and we didn't play it, but if they just need something to make it not feel like, here's another Tomb Raider, yeah. and it sells, you know, however much <clears throat> it sells and that's it, um, then I might be intrigued. Yeah, me too. It's just... It's not doing it for me. I don't know. That's totally fair. There's not enough time to play everything. But something that might do it for me. Okay. And I don't know because I've only touched one of these games one time. All right. Max Payne 1 and 2 are being remade by Rockstar. I played Max Payne 3 for maybe two hours. (laughs) I thought the bullet time was cool. I don't know. (laughs) Did, did you buy it? I'm pretty sure I bought it. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't tell you why. That's fine. I remember seeing a trailer, I want to say, and just thinking it looked really cool and then learning a little bit how like, oh, they were the, you know, inventors of the whole bullet time mechanic. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so this is going to be a cool sort of third person. This must have been around the time when uh, I was big into Splinter Cell. Mm. And I sort of maybe thought that it was like, okay, a, akin to Splinter Cell with a third person you know, shooter, maybe a little bit stealth-based, that sort of thing. It sounds sure. kind of cool. Yeah. I I don't know anything about Max Payne besides its name. Yeah. And I played that game a little bit, but maybe these will be good. I know some people love the series. Yeah, so I, I have a weird history with Max Payne. I remember my, my dad, that was like a big PC game mm. back in the day. Remember him playing it, and I think I played a little bit of it, but like you, I only really remember Max Payne and the fact that it's bullet time. <laughs> And that you could, like, dive around corners shooting sideways. And I was like, that's cool. I'm, I'm nine years old. This is awesome. Um, but, yeah, I don't remember any of the story beats. I know in one of his... Well, I don't want to... I think one of the games start with his family being dead. So, that's... I think it might be good, the first one. Good to know. Uh, <clears throat> spoilers, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know much about it. I hope that these are better quality than the GTA remasters supposedly were. Because those were apparently ass... Um, so yeah, I don't know if this is just, I'm assuming the GTA remasters sold well. And so they're uh, like, what, what, what else do we have? And they found Max Payne. Um, I would argue that more people might be interested in a bully remaster, Sure, but maybe they're working on both. Who knows? But yeah, I, this doesn't really do anything for me, but if it gets like crazy good reviews, I might give it a visit. Well, that's the thing. Part of me, and I'm pretty sure my understanding of this is that these are more full scale remakes compared okay. to the GTA situation, which when they originally were talking about remaking or re-releasing or remastering GTA however they phrased it early on which I don't remember 
I want to say that they phrased it as remakes. Yes. But it clearly was not that. No. It was very superficial remastered stuff. Yeah. If they remake any of their games from the ground up from back in the day, I'm at least intrigued to see how totally. they do it. Totally. Um, and this would give us maybe the best insight into what GTA 6 might end up looking like. In five years. In however, yeah, however yeah. The hell long it takes for it to come out. But... Uh, yeah, I guess I'm more curious to just see how it ends up looking in the marketing material. Mm. Does it look like it's 20 years old or however the hell old? When did Max Payne even come out? Oh, God. It uh, had like to have been 2001, Yeah, so like we're roughly 20 years from the you know start of the series. Maybe they you know do something crazy and really rebuild it from the ground up. Maybe they just do something superficial like they did with GTA. Who knows? But Ma- Max Payne, July 3rd, 2001. Well done. Thanks. Uh, so yeah I was six Jesus I guess I'm more curious to just see them display how well they can remake a game if they choose to do so sure because that could crack open a whole can of worms yes. for them remaking anything else including Bully they've still got leeway to remake old GTAs because yes. they clearly didn't do that yeah totally um, so there's possibility here so excited to see what they do yeah and on that note the last news story apparently Ubisoft is up for sale. We haven't done this in a while. Cool. Uh, this is it's time for uh, crazy shit I saw on Reset Era, except I didn't see it and I was sent this by someone. Nailed it. Uh, shout out to uh, my buddy Jay Strop, uh, Jay Strawberry on Twitch, who sent me this. It's a very quick one. So the thread was in rumors that Sony could acquire FromSoft. Okay. Uh, this is from user. <laughs> Arta, who says, why? <laughs> they already have Bluepoint to actually make the games look good. It's kind of redundant. <laughs> okay, okay. Plus, it's a risk buying this series 10 years into their combat formula. How many more can they hope to get out of this series? They should have done this five years ago if they were serious. <laughs> Just... Hey, Elden Ring is like the biggest talk of gaming ever. These guys are dated, right? <laughs> kind of a wild bit of logic. It is kind of crazy. But I mean, like, I don't, I don't even want to say but, because that would lend credence to whatever that person <laughs> just said. The It is an interesting question of, like, when do Dark Souls mechanics become outdated? Sure. But I don't think it's now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think they have shown... They have shown a desire to not just stick with the same formula over and over again. Sure. Like, if you look really critically at Sekiro and Elden Ring, they are both reshapings of what FromSoft games are, modern FromSoft games are. So I think their ability to say, okay, what if we took this idea but applied it to this kind of thing is what makes them great as opposed to people just trying to remake a Dark Souls. Yeah, if anything, they've... What's weird is that they take elements from their own games. Yes. They make offshoots like Bloodborne and then take elements in Dark Souls 3 becomes a little quicker, a little better pace. Yeah. They make Sekiro and then you play Elden Ring and there's the crouch and jump mechanic that right. you know was not you in horse. any prior Dark Souls games and you have a horse. Like yeah. so I almost wonder if their strategy is they use games almost experimentally. Mm. Like let's just make a game that's an offshoot doesn't connect to our other games. So we can try something. Right. And then we can integrate it into what is still... I mean, Elden Ring is not a Dark Souls game, but it is. It is, yeah. So, it's like, 
the main line from is Dark Souls, right. from Demon Souls to Elden Ring, yeah, and then everything else. You just have your splinters, and then it connects back with some sort of mechanic. That's actually kind of a cool design philosophy. Yeah, totally. Because um, I could see them taking a few elements from Sekiro more so than they already did and folding it into the next one and then just making it feel even more modernized because play Sekiro nothing about that game feels dated oh my god like, it is so awesome. as crisp and dynamic I as feel any like, combat ever I feel like Sekiro is gonna become like the weirdly hidden gem of their library and it's crazy like I love that game that game's so good uh, but yeah why buy FromSoft because they're the hottest shit on the market dude <laughs> yeah the, and anyway. the fact that you just we just remade Demon Souls yeah and that Sold well enough, to my understanding. Yeah. And I promise you, look, I will become an evangelist <laughs> if they decide to remake Bloodborne. I will go sell Bloodborne remakes on the streets <laughs> to try to get them like the sales that they need to keep doing such a thing. Only if you wear one of the uh, the giant head cages. Oh, the okay, the <laughs> like uh, oh, what's his name? Guy, you run through the library and fight. Miko Lash. Miko Lash. Well done. Thanks. Thank you. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of buying studios, yeah, uh, this report comes from Bloomberg. Assassin's Creed publisher Ubisoft draws buyout interest. Uh, this is from Ruth David, Denish Nair, and Giles Turner. And I only have a little blurb because I don't want to pay 99 cents a month to subscribe <laughs> to Bloomberg. Nonetheless. Screw your paywall. Ubisoft Entertainment... The video game publisher behind the Assassin's Creed franchise is attracting preliminary takeover interest from buyout funds, people with knowledge of the matter said. Several private equity firms, including Blackstone Inc. and KKR and Company, have been studying the French business, according to the people who asked not to be identified, because the information is private. <laughs> okay. As is everything with business yeah, deals just, these days. Just say according to sources. Now, one way that they know this and I don't know if you know, I assume you probably know this. When businesses are, <clears throat> one indicator that a business is about to be sold is that their stock price randomly just ticks up for no reason. Yeah. So there's clearly chatter behind the scenes uh, that Ubisoft is up for sale. Jay's business degree <clears throat> is coming in handy right go. now. And also that one episode of the newsroom where that's what happens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I learned just as much from that in Education. some ways. But. <laughs> what we're going to do, well, first off, I want to go through a few things briefly just to, and we don't have to necessarily get into the full articles, though I have the articles if we want to. Okay. So recent Ubisoft goings on. So maybe things that have to do with the future of the company. <laughs> this topic is going to be awesome. <laughs> We've done so much prep work for this. Go I ahead. did. And I sent you that prompt and I was like, I felt like I was giving like, remember ORQs? <laughs> yes. If anyone out there knows, and I'm sure different schools have different or names for what an ORQ is. Yes. For us, ORQs were open response questions. Yes. And I sent Tanner this prompt of like, here's what we're going to be talking about today. And I had like, here's the main bit. Here's yeah. like one sentence of information of news. What does this mean? Blah, blah, blah. And I have like three like questions. And I almost ended it with like, justify your answer with evidence <laughs> from the passage. Like something dumb. Yeah. Uh, so Make you sure ever, to show your work. If you ever had to do like a five paragraph essay in school, that's sort of the prompt that I sent Tanner earlier. Yes. But some things that have happened recently that is, are going to be relevant for Ubisoft either as they are now going forward or for whoever chooses to acquire them. Sure. The toxicity of the workplace yes. certainly a big thing. Uh, and I do have Ubisoft CEO and others blamed for, quote, institutional harassment article from Kotaku by Ethan 
Gak. And I know we've never come down on a correct pronunciation <laughs> the for this guy. Back. But G-A-C-H, if it's either Gak, Gotch, Gok, I don't know. <laughs> Gak's back, baby. Uh, Assassin's Creed and Far Cry publisher Ubisoft is the target of a new complaint filed in French court that accuses the company and its longtime CEO and co-founder, Yves Guillemot, yeah, and I'm not going to say his name ever normally, <laughs> of institutional harassment. According to a survey released last fall, one in four Ubisoft employees has either witnessed or directly experienced misconduct. That was from July of last year. Mm. So that's one thing. Yes. In terms of what their plans for the future are, uh, we heard not too long ago about their plans for the future of Assassin's Creed. Yes. This is actually from Ubisoft. Okay. So take any marketing speak that's in here with a grain of salt. Sure. Uh, this is from July of 2021 as well. So maybe there was some sort of something that happened <laughs> behind the scenes there. Uh, from Natalie Bouchard hmm. and Christophe Duren. All right. These are very French people. Yes, they are. From its action-adventure origins to its RPG evolution, Assassin's Creed has shown how the decisions we make now, no matter how big or small, can influence the events of the future. After both Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Assassin's Creed Valhalla shattered records... We find ourselves in that very moment where we know the decisions we're making for the franchise now will impact its future for years to come. Along with our announcement of new content for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, we wanted to share some key updates on the talented and creative minds that will now be working in a collaborative cross-studio structure between Ubisoft Montreal and Ubisoft Quebec. There's so much stuff in here. Mm. I'm skipping down. Yeah. Because the thing that we have heard about is whatever ends up becoming Assassin's Creed Infinity. Yes. And Assassin's Creed Infinity, some behind-closed-doors info, seems to be... My understanding is it's kind of like the Watch Dogs Legion of Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Some sort of persistent MMO-ish... Mixed with, like, a Destiny 2. Something like that. So, you know, their plans... And this is something we've known about Ubisoft for a while now. They're one of the companies that has leaned in heavily to the every game must have an online element. Yeah. Uh, and then... The live service part Assassin's of Creed is just the latest of that. So if you want to go read their blurb... Uh, there it is. Feel free. And then just an update that I wanted to know for myself Okay. was how well did Assassin's Creed Valhalla do and how well did Far Cry 6 do? Okay. It's like they're two big tentpole sure. games of the last couple of years. Uh, today, and this is from, let's see, Shaq News. Shaq, like not the Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. Uh, like if you go and live in a Shaq. Sure, okay. Uh, Ubisoft <laughs> H1 2022 earnings report shows... Far Cry 6 sales in line with Assassin's Creed Odyssey's launch. Hmm. Uh, this is from October of last year. Uh, they reported their 2021 earnings. Uh, Far Cry 6 sales being in line with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. They did not disclose specific sales numbers, but what we know is that Assassin's Creed Odyssey's popularity points to this being a major win for Ubisoft. So, okay, sales perspective-wise, Assassin's Creed and Far Cry both still in a pretty good place. Yes. Is what we can deduce from that. Now, the prompt that I really gave you yeah. was, what would be the best potential future for Microsoft or for Ubisoft? Different soft. I didn't just Freudian slip that, I promise. <laughs> so, what do you think should become of their games? Who should acquire them? What would be the best way to go, I guess, from our consumer perspective? Like, what would end up being the best for us and, in return, the best financially for Ubisoft? Sure. Uh, so... You kind of had free reign to go any way you wanted with this. Yes. The main questions being, who acquires? Do they remain independent? 
and what do their games look like going forward. Yeah. Now, I've got a pretty substantial list of bullet points. Okay. I don't know if we want to just, one of us gives our whole plan or if we want to alternate, like... So, I actually did not formulate a plan. Okay. Instead, to get an even broader view of Ubisoft... I've collected every major game release of the last five years and its average Metacritic score. Thank you. So, this is not including remasters or if, like, you know, Child of Light came out on Switch like three years after it came out. That doesn't count. So, here is just a picture of what Ubisoft looks like today from a review standpoint. Okay. Just Dance 22, 72 on Metacritic. Oh, also... Metacritic does this thing where, like, each platform gets a different score for yeah. some reason. So, if they were, like, PC, Xbox, and PS4, I just took whatever the middle score was. Yeah. I just and there are performance issues. that I think that's usually the thing that makes them different. Sure. But. I just averaged it out. Riders Republic, 78. Far Cry 6, 74. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World Remaster, whatever you want to call that, 75. Just Dance 21, 70. Immortals Phoenix Rising, 79. AC Valhalla, 82. There we go. Watch Dogs Legion, 72. Hyperscape, 64. Uno Flip, what's that? 77. Just Dance 2020, 77. Tom Clancy Ghost Recon Breakpoint, 58. Ugh. Anno 1800, PC only, 81. Unravel 2, 82. The Division 2, 82. Trials Rising, 83. Far Cry New Dawn, 73. Sports Party, what's that game? 57. Ode, some indie thing, 75. Just Dance 19, 77. Starlink Battle of Atlas, 74. AC Odyssey, 86. October 2nd, 2018 is the last time Ubisoft ga- had a game go above 85 on Metacritic. That is four years ago. Transference, the weird game with uh, 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 the guy from Lord of the Rings. What's his actual name? Oh, uh, the guy who broke his foot? No, no, no. Uh, the uh, main guy. Frodo? Yes. Oh, uh, is it Elijah why did something? you ask me? Elijah Hill. Elijah Wood. Wood. There Dang it. Why did I say Hill? Uh... Uh, Hobbits anyway. live in little hills. So, uh, yeah, his game, 74. The Crew 2. <laughs> I can't even vent anything. <laughs> the Crew 2, 66. Far Cry 5, 81. AC Origins, 84. South I Park- thought you were talking about the Crudes <laughs> for a second. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Would you be shocked if they made a Crudes game? No, not uh, at all. <laughs> South Park Fracture Behold, 81. Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle, 85. Star Trek Bridge Crew, 76. Tom Clancy Ghost Recon Wildlands, 70. For Honor, 78. Do you want to guess the last game that Ubisoft made that was a 90 or higher? Okay, so that would mean... So it would have been shortly before For Honor, I guess, timeline-wise. For Honor, I want to say, came out in like 2015-ish. Well, these were the last five years, so it was 2017. Okay. It was their earliest game in 2017. But, But this is not in the last five years. This is separate from that. So just the last game they made that was a 90 or higher. Not not in the five-year thing. Nine, I mean, it takes a lot to crack 90. I want to say, like... Oh, man. I'm just going to go with a Homer answer. And say that it's been even longer. And say that Assassin's Creed 2 was the last one. It was Rayman Legends. Really? February 18th, 2014. Wow. Which it originally came out in 2013. But uh, So, the reason I bring all this up... Okay. Is it really worth it to buy Ubisoft? They make a lot of very okay games. Um, I think they need a real sort of, well, obviously cultural, but also philosophical refresh on what they are as a company. Because I think you and I would both agree, and most people would agree, they have a lot of really interesting IP. Between Assassin's Creed 
and Far Cry could always be cool. Uh, Splinter Cell, which they for some reason refuse to make, uh, and you know even beyond Good and Evil Two, whenever that game comes mm-hmm. out, that is the new Last Guardian, and Rayman, and they have all these cool properties, but they just seem to be very staunch in what they make and what they make are these open world games and what's weird is that the other games they put out that don't even have metacritic scores they put out so much bloatware bullshit like trivial pursuit (laughs) and uno and jeopardy and like these games are whatever they must just get some like random on the side contracts from some of these companies like make us a little game to tie in with this yeah they really do do that they obviously make money because they've been doing it forever but it's like, what do you want to be, Ubisoft? What, Who do you want to be? Because you're obviously not at the forefront of games anymore. I don't know that they ever were, but maybe when like Assassin's Creed 2 came That's, out. I was, like, I was thinking about this. Far Cry 3-ish. Because those were pretty neck and neck, like in a couple of years span. Yeah. I do want to say around that time, so about 10 to 12 years ago, Ubisoft was about as preeminent of a game developer as there was. Yeah. But there has been very little development since then so and they've clearly been surpassed by both first or really all three first parties yeah so i i think my ideal situation for ubisoft because i was thinking about it you know when you asked me i was like do i really want sony to buy ubisoft not particularly yeah do i want microsoft to buy ubisoft not really nintendo buying ubisoft i think is the most interesting of the three sure but i don't think ubisoft's peak has been on what Nintendo prioritizes. Also, Nintendo's just not in the game of, like, buying studios. No. So, I think it's highly unlikely. Um, I think the best case scenario to me is that they remain independent. That they maybe get new funding, and with that, you know, maybe the board of directors changes. Maybe Eve gets ousted, um, you know, because all of this cultural shit. Again, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the same things that we touched on when Microsoft bought Activision of, like, a new from the ground up like restyling of what the studio is both internally and externally could be good for them yeah but i don't think that we need uh, if sony buys them i'd be more interested about sony taking their ip and letting other studios develop it rather than ubisoft continuing to develop it mm-hmm. so yeah I, I think the best case scenario is that they remain independent and just completely refresh who they are fair enough what are your thoughts so what i did <laughs> so much prep for this. for this question was I pretty much gave a point by point and I took their current IP. Okay. Not all of them, yeah. but most of them or most of the relevant ones at least and just gave a brief blurb about where I thought they should go. Oh, okay. I like with this. a lot of these yeah. and sort of what should be done overall. My first bullet point is I agree that remaining independent is probably the best thing for them. Okay. Uh, part of that is, if they get bought by Xbox, they are instantly overshadowed by all the recent Xbox acquisitions, and they just become lost in the shuffle. Yes. Bethesda. They're just a Game Pass Blizzard, all those are just going to be overshadowing them. Yeah. If they get bought by Sony, which I'm not going to say is beyond the realm of possibility. Because no, it either. absolutely could happen. And we heard rumors that Sony was on the prowl Hunting not too long fish, ago. Yeah. So this would be a big splash acquisition if Sony did it. But... And I hate to say that it boiled down to a calculus as simple as this. Are you really going to publish God of War, Ragnarok, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla 2? Or yeah. whatever that ends up being like. Yeah. There's a weird overlap between their IP that I'm just like... I think that there is... I think that if they went to Sony, Sony would overhaul 
their IP in like so drastically that the ground up rebuild would be extremely difficult and it mm. just might never get back to the heights that it ever was. Sure. So I don't think that's good either. So I agree that just getting bought by some private equity firm and revamped is probably the best thing for them. Yeah. New management. Yeah. You know, from all the bits that we've seen, East Gilmont seems like a nice guy when he's on like streaming services. Maybe that's just because he's kind of quiet and French. Yeah. <laughs> right. But he clearly oversaw a pretty toxic work environment. Yes. So that's the first step for at least a good PR move. You just, you know, send Eves on his way, bring in someone new. Sure. Now, now we get into the game stuff. Yeah, this is I'm I'm interested in this. First thing, and these are very like crude. Okay. Like, but, you know, the crew do. I'm just saying, this sounds fun. Let's do it. Okay. Reboot Beyond Good and Evil 2. <laughs> Make it RPG Ratchet and Clank. Oh, that's cool. You pick, like, whatever. Because I, I have never played Beyond Good and Evil. No, me neither. Ne- I remember the one Beyond Good and Evil trailer, too. And really all I remember from that is that there was a chimpanzee or whoever the <laughs> monkey character and there is. was a thing where they wanted uh the community to make their game for them sure <laughs> remember that? That, it was you like, have any ideas yeah beyond good and evil university or whatever it was so my thought there is like you can make it sort of a ratchet and clank maybe a little more open than that but you get to like pick your like animal that you play as and you sure. design, design your character like whatever it is so but that style of gameplay like a little bit cartoonish third person shootery yeah maybe almost more like uh, Sunset Overdrive mm. that sort so of thing making an Insomniac game more or less yeah I mean there are worse studios to copy yeah I was gonna say those games are awesome uh, next up I put this one in all caps Uh-oh. make Riders Republic free to play oh my god we have been on this <laughs> since day one I don't know how it's not free to play like there is no more clear cut game in this business that I would download right now, maybe not play <laughs> very much, <laughs> but you leave it. But in I your would box. download and try it. Yeah. Then Riders Republic, if it went free to play, totally. Like, you can put put all the microtransactions in it you want. Some yeah. people will pay for them. Yep. I probably won't, but <laughs> some people will. And I don't anticipate they're making much from sales of that game right now. So no. I don't see there's much better future for that game profit-wise than just making it free-to-play. I remember when that trailer dropped. I think it was during E3 or something. We were watching it together. And we were just like, oh, this will be kind of cool for a free-to-play. We and just assumed that it would be. Yeah, we just thought that's what it was. And then yeah. we, and somebody was like, it's $60. We're like, okay, yeah, what? Screw that. That's so stupid. Uh, next up. And this is part of this is because of the you know fervor around this game. Part of it is because of the weird, you know, ways that they've taken the IP since then, which we can talk about. Make a direct sequel to Rainbow Six Siege mm. and just lean into esports from day one. Yeah, it's a great point. I don't know if I've ever wanted a game to be canceled more that was already made than Rainbow Six Extraction. Contagion? What or was whatever it the hell it was called. I think it that was That tells you how generic it is. Because at first it was called... Par- or... Uh, uh, quarantine? Quarantine, that's right. Yeah, or and something they had to virus change it related. Of COVID. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I remember us watching that re- trailer, and I'm just like, this is the most generic bullshit I've ever seen. One of the worst trailers I've ever seen. It was awful. Game. It was really bad. And it was it was the games trailer. If we ever get like a long form, I guess there's the one. Uh, is it the Ubi- is it Ubisoft that did the fictional TV show about games with the guy from Always Sunny? Oh, uh, yeah. They're they're partnered with with him. Yeah. This is the kind of games demo that's in a show about video games because it's so generic. Yes. Um, 
Rob McElhenney's his, his yeah. name. But I don't and the know show the, is uh, the name of the game. Yeah. It's like Dungeons Knights. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's like swords and something. Fiery. Mythic Quest. Mythic Quest. <laughs> there it is. Whatever. So, like, just cut your losses with Rainbow Six Extraction. Yeah. Move on from there. Get back to the very tactical team-based. Because I would I'm be interested to play... A Rainbow Six Siege sequel because I never played much of the first. Right. And the first one is kind of unapproachable now if you're not already in it. Right. Yeah. Splinter Cell Contracts. I floated this idea. I think it was on our like Dream E3 uh, ideas. Oh, the, the one Hitman with, it's basically style game. Hitman yeah. Splinter Cell. Yeah, this sounded awesome. Do it. I mean, they're bringing back Splinter Cell reportedly, but like that's so in early VR. in development. <laughs> like who knows what it's going to be. Yeah. To me, that's this is about as good of a metamorphosis for that series as they could do yeah skull and bones <laughs> should be multiplayer did that game come out no uh. <laughs> should be no. multiplayer only yeah and they might as well just put it out already maybe make it free to play too like wow that God, game i forgot is, about that game that game is in such development hell about as hard as i've seen a game in the last decade yeah just just put it out yeah cut your this, losses if you make it free to play ship battles, a few microtransactions to like design your ship, make it cosmetically interesting, recoup some of your losses. Yeah. And I'll try it because, I mean, the ship combat in AC when they first started that was pretty cool. Yeah. Black Flag. Uh, and they can make that interesting. So at this point, they just need to put it out and cut their losses. Yeah. Keep Assassin's Creed as a single player game. Yes. They've got enough online games to go around, or at least they've got enough potential for online games. Yeah. Uh, and as long as they're independent, I don't see why they can't just make a direct sequel to Valhalla and sort of keep with that. Because apparently it sold very well. It was reviewed well. And it's funny because I did do a Freudian slip here and I wrote down Ragnarok when I meant Valhalla. <laughs> uh, but it was a financial success, so I wouldn't deviate too much. Sure. Personally, do I want them to go back to a more stealthy, you know, assassin nation format versus like the very hand-to-hand loud combat that I know the series has evolved into. Yes. I but, think, yeah, I think that's you know, fair. Whatever. But I'll take my energy from that critique okay. and apply it to Far Cry. Mm. Because Far Cry, more than any of their series, do I think has gotten the most stagnant. Mm. At least in terms of like gameplay I, I would style. Agree with that. Yeah. It's just open world shooter that's and it. then reskinned. <laughs> yeah. Every iteration is just reskinned. And you're Trying to overthrow a despot, despot, <laughs> however you pronounce that. I think word. it's despot. I think you're right. So, my only, I'm like, I would like for it to go more of a hand to hand stealth, or at least incorporate that sort of thing more, and not just be like, because right now it almost seems like first person just cause, like you're just kind of it trying is. to it totally destroy is. shit and yeah, you know, overthrow a random dictator, and I'm like, that is such a just cause thing, and even though. Far Cry probably is mechanically better than Just Cause. Yeah. Ideal, idealistically, it is Just Cause in every way, yeah. but with slightly smaller explosions. Like, <laughs> you can't do quite as wacky stuff right. in Far Cry. So, I would like it to be a little more, you know, strict stealth shootery. Um, you can still do and incorporate some weird gadgets and stuff and weapons. Sure. Uh, and I think the best way to do that is don't do another modern day Far Cry. Mm. Either go back or go forward. Mm. Go to Far Cry Blood Dragon again. <laughs> oh, and here's my thought. Part of me thinks that they should make it like Diet Cyberpunk. And oh. sort of like, 
you know, cyberpunk Far Cry, but more, it's not, you know, as RPG laden as cyberpunk. But no, that totally, that sounds cool. Do some funky gadgets, but make it the sort of tower, you know, open world that Ubisoft is known for. Mm-hmm. Or take it back to like your Vietnam and you're going after like Ho Chi Minh and going through the jungles with knives and stuff. Like, right, yeah, yeah. There's a lot more entertaining, you know, story settings than I think that they've used in the last couple. Was the Far Cry 5, was Far Cry 5 a good idea? Yes. Yeah, it was fun. It was fine. I like the idea of a oh, cult leader in the middle of like Montana or Wyoming, wherever the hell it was set. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, it was cool. But the gameplay itself was just, okay, we're going to take guns, and but now there are trees. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this one, which was clearly like a Venezuela or some sort of, you know, middle American country sort of knockoff with Giancarlo Esposito, which hip, hip, hooray. You got a good actor to play the villain in your game. (laughs) Yeah. That did not sell me on the game. No. Making the whole setting interesting would sell me on the game. So I think Far Cry just needs a change of scenery, not as much a change of mechanic or sort of direction, but you know what Far Cry should emulate tonally inglorious bastards. Ooh. Give me like a little bit campier, cool. a little bit more tongue in cheek. Like, like you said, the Vietnam setting would work fine for that. Like just a little, cause it, it already kind of, the thing with Far Cry that's weird for me is like, it kind of teeters on these really super serious moments. And then these really wacky moments and not saying you can't have both, but it seems like they never quite strike that balance where like something like Inglorious Bastards, I think does even though it's probably a little more serious, it has its really campy, silly shit. Like the, uh, you know, that's why you're third best when they're talking about who speaks Italian, like <laughs> Gorlami, like shit like that. They have jokes, but it's still, it's still a very fun movie, but there are still very serious moments yeah. where it doesn't get completely off the rails. Well, that's one of the games that I was like seeking inspiration from when I was thinking about it was Wolfenstein, mm. which obviously maybe if any game has emulated the inglorious bastards <laughs> true you know, sure. tone more most directly it's probably those games yeah um but i don't want it to be as linear and i want it to be more i mean far cry primal which is hard to remember that game even exists <laughs> yeah like and far cry new dawn oh yeah <laughs> now that's a game that like you could tell me like was just dlc or maybe even didn't come out yet i'd believe you yeah um there is just something unoriginal about Overthrow the despot in new location. Yeah. Now, if it's overthrow the despot, it's actual history. Gets a little more interesting. Sure. You can mix up the weapons. You can mix up the setting more than they already have. I don't know. There just needs to be some sort of new flavor of Far Cry that they haven't put out any time totally. recently. So. Yeah. But that's it as far as... I overlooked... Uh, there was the one uh, game we mentioned earlier that I already... I can't remember which one it was. Right there was man? one... What, Rayman? Rayman? I don't give a shit what they do with Rayman. Bring Rayman back, man. <laughs> um, it's your last good game. Great game. Last great game. But whatever else they decide to do, I'm just like, these are the games that sort of need redirection or, I mean, AC doesn't necessarily need redirection, but, I mean, it's their tentpole franchise. you got to right. say something about what the future of it could be, and I don't want it to be whatever Infinity is, or at least not on the sales pitch that they've given so far. Yeah. So, so one other small thing I thought of while you're going through this. Whatever happened to UB Art? Yeah. Child of Light was great. Valiant Hearts was good. People liked Grow Home. Like, that series was working, and then they just kind of abandoned it. I mean, I guess they, like, did the Unravel 2 thing, which I thought was EA. I was shocked to see that it was Ubisoft, so I don't know if they, like, helped partner there or something. It's weird. Um, but, like, I, I just... I, I want... 
I think they could definitely benefit from publishing these little smaller experiences. I mean, look what EA out of nowhere stumbled upon a gem with, uh, it's not get out. What is that one game called? The Joseph Ferris game? No way out. No way out. I think. And then, or is that just the WWE pay-per-view? That is the pay-per-view. It's something out, right? A way out? A way out. That's it. And then, uh, I got to double check myself. I think you're right. I think it is a way out. And then like it takes two, and that all came from them just taking a chance on an indie studio. Is it a way out? It was a way out. Uh, so, like, you know, I think Ubisoft could freshen themselves a little bit more by partnering with smaller studios and giving their games a try or maybe seeing what their, like, you know, their big war chest could bring to an indie idea. Because, I mean, It Takes Two was Game of the Year two years ago. Yeah. Like, that that could really bolster their sort of critical reputation. I know not everything's about critical and it's a lot more about financial, but... I Those think two things are a little correlated. Hand hand. They yeah, are. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot there. And like you said, I mean, we haven't even touched on, like, some of their other past IP that they could come back to. I like, thought of the one that I was forgetting. The Division? Watch Dogs. Oh, yeah, that's right. Where did... Because here's the weird thing about Watch Dogs. When you take the leap to go to this sort of multiplayer integrated thing that Legion did. Yeah. I, I feel like it's weird to go back from that. I think you have to though. I agree. I don't I feel think like Legion did to. well at all. You could if I'm them, I treat Legion as a spin-off and I just make Watch Dogs 3. Yeah, like, totally. That's Agreed. what I would do. Because Watch Dogs 2, one of their Very better good games. games. Very good yeah. game. Uh now I now I'm glad you brought up the division too, because that's another one that I was like, I don't know. Division critically pretty well established. Yeah, people love that game. I love the idea of the division. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just the fact that we are not in a place where like we all want to play the division, so I don't sure. really care to play it by myself. But I could totally get a group of people wanting to play the division together consistently a lot. Yeah. So I kind of think division is in a good place to just just keep going. Yep, totally. Let them take the time. Make division three. Pick a new setting. Maybe like a so they went from New York to DC, DC right? Through Chicago, Chicago, Miami. Do like beach division? Oh, that'd I don't be cool. know something cool like that. <laughs> the division Vice City, <laughs> you know. So there's some of their IP that are just in a good place. Let them keep going, but there's certainly some overhauls that are necessary. Agreed. Well, if you're Ubisoft exec out there, if you're Eves, get out. <laughs> but if you're another one, maybe set to take his place. Yeah. Maybe listen to some of these ideas. This might know? be the most in-depth topic we've ever it's done. Possible. When I was coming, I was like, we're going to use our like brains for this one. <laughs> I'm using my business degree a little bit. Like I'm yeah. doing some real mental gymnastics to come up with some of this stuff. But then I'm also just being like, hey, make game fun. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not. Make Splinter Cell Hitman, please. <laughs> make. Here's the funny thing about Beyond Good and Evil 2. I was like, make game I haven't played into game I haven't played. <laughs> but, but seems you know, play Seems fun. Yeah. Anyway. Tanner, do you have a recommendation? I thought about this. I don't know if it counts, but I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, then we're on a, we're on the same page on this one. All right. I'm going to formally recommend Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh. Uh, this is probably, and here's my rationale, probably as close to a video game that a movie has gotten in quite some time. Fair enough. Um, it, it has a lot of those really fun... It, it just It's a movie that is a lot of fun. Yeah. It, it really takes like the viewer's fun into account. Um, you and I saw it together. We did. And I just think it's one of the best movies I've seen in theaters in a long time, so everybody should watch it. I don't want to say too much more about it. Go watch the trailer if you're interested, but or don't, and just go watch it. 
I reviewed it on Twitter, which you you gave like a one tweet review. Yeah, I did like a short thread. Oh, did you? I don't know if I, don't I saw. Know if you saw it. Go, well, discuss afterwards. Okay. Uh, my thoughts is still it's an amazing movie. I I recommend you go see it. Let me just say that Tanner, I was I could hear Tanner next to me, and this, <laughs> he was making sounds that I wasn't quite making. So I'll let you do with that mental image whatever you choose. It's well, it's because I was crying. Don't make it sound like I well, was that, like. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just killed the fun of it. Now they could, now they have to imagine the crying and not any of the other shit. My recommendation, I have to have an admission of defeat. Oh. I am recommending cheese its. Yeah. But, We've done it. But. Oh, wow. Here's why. <laughs> this is like a 20-episode payoff. If <laughs> cheese nips were the best gaming snack, okay, and they're gone, mm. I guess by default, the second best gaming <laughs> snack is Cheez-Its. The form factor is just the right this thing. so funny. And I'll just tell you, you know, so they have the normal size boxes. Uh-huh. But they had the family size. Yeah. About a week ago, I bought a family size box. Uh-huh. Three nights later, it was gone. Nice. Like. Wow. Regular, regular Cheez-Its? Regular Cheez-Its. My man. Here's the, th- now here's the thing, and this was, this crosses over into cheese nip realm versus Cheez-It. <laughs> Any of these snacks with flavor dust on them, bullshit. Agreed. I hate them. The dust doesn't taste good, and it gets all over your fingers. Yeah. Now, Cheez-Its, you know, now, here's what I'm, this is getting so granular. <laughs> Three caveats in this sentence. Cheez-Its might actually be, purely from form factor, better than cheese nips because they're a little more compact. Their exterior is a little glossier. Okay. Cheese nips were a little flakier. Sure. They crumbled a little easier. Oh, dude, so, we, we got to go to Bucky's. We do got to go. We can go to Bucky's. I don't give do a that shit. Today. Anyway, go ahead. If anyone's in the south of America, you probably know what Bucky's is. We just got a Bucky's relatively close to us. Yeah. So it's been a line around the block for there. Go. Uh, but <laughs> sorry, cheese its on this video game podcast. <laughs> the form factor less likely to crumble, a little tighter, but the flavor little inferior. But again, I'm willing to. I mean, I'm not going to just out of spite eat like Doritos sure I love Doritos yeah Doritos are fine but when I'm gaming I guess it's gotta be Cheez-Its <laughs> that should be their new motto <laughs> when I'm gaming I guess, I guess it's, it's gotta, gotta be Cheez-Its <laughs> so I love that on our gaming podcast we started with like a 15 minute sampler of drinks and yeah. ended on talking about Cheez-Its now, that's basically a summation of my life uh, <laughs> and I pray to God that there's a Nabisco exec out there that like <laughs> Here's my, you know, decrying of all things not cheese nip and decides, hey, I'm going to walk into the boardroom tomorrow and I'm going to be thinking, we've been neglecting cheese nips. We've been having them in these little party packs with like fucking corn nuts or whatever the hell other thing they're in there with. We need to bring them back to their full box form. Apparently you can still buy them some places in like California, but they're not on the East Coast. And I haven't gone as far as to have them shipped to me yet, but I might. I pray to God a Nabisco exec is one of the craziest ways I've ever heard a sentence started ever. Oh, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Why did corn nuts catch a stray? Oh, that's not even the right one. I don't remember what other thing is in these little cartoon character shaped oh, Nabisco shit. snack packs. <laughs> like, 
they're in there. I've had like SpongeBob cheese nips that were like, you know, holy shit. I'm just still, I'm just, but I'm under the assumption now that cheese nips are gone forever. So I have admitted defeat and cheese its are the next best thing. So that's it. That's our gaming recommends this week are a movie and a snack. Perfect. (laughs) You can't, can't well, I guess you could watch the movie while you're playing a game, but I wouldn't recommend that. No, I recommend, you know, eating cheese its And that's it for us, folks. What a note to end on. Uh, It's nice and hot. We're going to go enjoy the hot weather. (laughs) Enjoy the hot. Until next time, we're tapping out. (laughs) 